Happy Sunday, happy Sunday. What's up, church? Hey, can I ask all y'all stand up? We're going to put a little extra juice hot sauce on today since it is Hillary Day, Hillary Day. Hey, God bless you. Thank you. Uh, hello to all the campuses out there and everybody who came to church and all the people watching online. But for all y'all who braved the rain, is it raining hard outside? No, I, I haven't been out, out of this building for five, six hours. But let's give the Lord a big hand for what he's going to do today. Come on, church. He got to do something. When you, when you have days like this, it's an it's a extra marker on why you should remember today because God's going to do something special today. It was a day that the hurricane, and I don't know if it'll come later, but it may not have come yet, but that God's going to do something in your life. Amen. We got a special guest uh, speaker today, Brian Buffini. Brian Buffini is a businessman who loves Jesus. Most important thing is that he loves Jesus. And we met many, many years ago. I actually met his wife before he met his wife, who's sitting over here to my right. And he's going to tell you his whole story. Uh, but I, I, I was praying about him coming for a long time. And I said, you know what? Our church is going to really be blessed by a message from a different perspective about the same God. Who's the man? Uh, he tra his company trains real estate agents, and he basically has a big church to business people, and he ministers to them and uses biblical principles to minister to all these people in the secular world, all over the world. Amen? So I want y'all to give a very warm welcome as you're standing up. Let's give a very warm welcome. Rock welcome to Brian Buffini. Come on, church. Come on, church. Hey, hey. How we doing? My man. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. All right, thank you. Take a seat. The top of the morning to you. How many of you have either heard me speak before or this is your very first time? Let me see your hands, please, nice and high. When an Irishman says the top of the morning to you, the response is always, and the rest of the day to you. So do you think you could try that with me? The top of the morning to you. Now you're set up for St. Patrick's Day. It's so good to be with you. Uh, Pastor Miles and I have been friends for a long time. You know, he's from New York, I'm from Dublin. So when we call each other, we kind of get down to business right away. There's no, hey, how you doing? There's none of that. No prelim stuff, just straight in. So six weeks ago, he calls me. He goes, Brian, how do you feel about free speech? I go, fail very passionately about free speech. He goes, good, you're gonna give one August 20th at The Rock. <laughs> so here I am. He's very cheap. <laughs> Everywhere I speak all over the world, I always cover three points when I'm talking to adults, five when I talk to kids. So today, I'm covering three points because that's what you can remember. I'm gonna share with you that God has designed a good life for you. There is the joy of the Lord right there. God has designed a good life for you. Did you know that? Well, I'm gonna prove it to you today without question, no matter what you've been through, what you're going through, that God has designed a good life for you. We'll also talk about the fact that the good life doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it feels kind of terrible. And then we're going to talk about the connection between the good life and the gospel. Do you guys know what the word gospel means? You know what, what the word means? It's a Greek word. You know what it means? All right. I'm glad I'm here, Miles. Just <laughs> teaching them up. The word gospel means good news. Did you know that? How many of you have heard that before? Like, ah, that's what he's talking about. We're gonna talk about the good life and the good news and how they're connected and how it's all together. 
I'm gonna share with you from the, starting out from the book of Genesis, where it all starts. And I'm gonna show you that when God created everything in this world, including you and me, his design, his intention, and the desire of his heart was for us to have a good life. Now we'll start off with the very beginning. It says, the very first chapter and the very start of this Bible, it says, in the beginning, God. Now I wanna stop right there. In the modern world we live in, everything's debated and discussed and people have opinions on lots of things. My kids, I have six kids, which seemed like a great idea at the time. <laughs> My six kids are always keeping me on track, you know? I'm not too hip and with it, so the kids are always kind of giving me the words and the lingos and they've given up on how I dress, <laughs> obviously. And, uh, but they just, they, they give me the lingo. And so sometimes I'll pull out of the parking lot and they go, Dad, that was a flex. Flex, flex. Get a new watch. Now I just get a watch because it uh, tells the time. Dad, that's a flex, really? I didn't think that was the brand. No, Dad, that's a flex, that watch. Let me say the biggest flex in the history of mankind is in the start of the book of Genesis. And I want you to read this with me, please. Here's what it says. In the beginning, oh, hold on, just stop, sorry, stop, stop. Did you guys fight through a hurricane to get here? You guys are the best. You guys got a special blessing come today. All the folks on all the campuses, special blessing. At home, we're loving you up too. But if you came here and fought through Hurricane Haley, death and destruction everywhere this morning. It sprinkled on my windshield. And this, in Ireland, it's called a day. Because it happens every day. But I want to share this with you. I want you to stop at God. I want you, everybody to read this out because this might be the most important thing you hear this week. In the beginning, say with me, one, two, three. In the beginning, now that's a flex. That's a flex. In the world we live in today, we have people that I don't believe in God, okay? Uh, you need to prove to me that God exists, okay? Uh, there's no evidence that God, God ain't having any of it. God starts out the Bible with, in the beginning, who? He doesn't even say, I, I believe in me, I, I exist. He's just letting you know, in the beginning, he's here. He's here. It's up for us as humans to understand that. He understands it. In the beginning, God. And then he goes on in the book of Genesis to talk about his creation, starting in, chapter, in verse nine. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land. That's why I got in the real estate business. And gathered the waters he called seas. And God said that it was, everybody say it together. What's the word? Good. What's that? Good. God said it was good. He made the land. He made the oceans. And he said it was. Good. But wait, there's more, as the infomercial says. Verse 12, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed and according to their kinds. And God said that it was everybody. Good. It was good. And there was evening, there was morning the third day. But it kept going on. Verse 16, God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day, that's the sun, and the lesser light to govern the night, that's the moon. He also made the stars so we would enjoy them and fall in love. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was everybody. Good. He said it was good. 
Verse 20. God said, let the water team with living creatures, let the birds fly above the earth, above the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing which the water teams that moves about and in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God said that everybody said it was what? It's good. Now it's starting to get real interesting. Verse 25, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then wait, it's, it's even better. So God created mankind in his own image. Nothing else. Mankind was made in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. You know, in this world we live in today, you can get in trouble for saying something like that. And the reason it's so important to the other side is because if they can invalidate the term male and female, the biology, X, Y chromosomes, the fact that you can see it in front of your eyes, if you can eliminate that, you can eliminate the book of Genesis. And if you can eliminate the book of Genesis, you can forget about in the beginning God. That's why that's what's at stake. When Pastor Miles has been preaching on this the last few weeks. It's a big deal. It's not just I want to be polite to people. I want to be nice to people. I don't want to offend people. It's a much greater thing than that. We're made in God's own image. God saw all he had made and it was, now he adds a little sauce to it. What's that? Very good. Very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. That is the origin of mankind and the world we live in. In the beginning, who? And everything he did in it was good. Now the challenge is, is that good doesn't always feel good. Have you noticed? Is every day just awesome as a Christian? Come on. Anybody have problems this morning? I have six kids. The unholiest morning of the day was always Sunday morning getting the kids to church. I'm going to kill you. Sit down. We're going to hear about Jesus. Sit down or I'll knock you out. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out and make another one look just like you. Amen. Life isn't always good. You see, in our world today, we think good means awesome. You guys remember the Lego movie? Remember the Lego movie? Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. (laughs) Everything is awesome. No. No, it's not awesome. It's not awesome. It's a good life. It doesn't mean there's no challenges or setbacks. Things go sideways, that we have our own mental game, an emotional game. We know this. And we know what the numbers are. The numbers are extraordinary. And I'm going to share some facts that are hard to look at. We live in a world today where the world has all the answers. Psychology has all the answers. Medicine has all the answers. And yet the world is more lost today than ever before. They've been reporting these numbers from the CDC every year since 1980. But for whatever reason, since COVID, they stopped reporting them. So I have two-year-old numbers. We've been trying to get them, but they won't report them. The last time they recorded the numbers, there was 106,000 drug overdoses in the United States. 48,000 suicides, one every 11 minutes. 
1.7 million people attempted suicide that year. That's the size of the city of Phoenix. In the year 2000, there were 10 million people on antidepressants. By 2021, it was 45 million people. Now in a room this size and five campuses, tens of thousands of people watching online, I know full well that there's people who their life and their family's been affected by something connected to these stats, and that is hard to do. Some of you here. And it doesn't mean that antidepressants are bad or going to therapy is bad or any of that stuff bad. It just means this. There's an awful lot of people struggling with the good life that was designed for them by God. And the more we give up to God, the more we give it over to God, the more we surrender to God, those areas of our life we don't want to surrender, when we give that stuff to God, God's going, I got more good for you. I got more good for you and more good for you. And the more good you have, the more good he will give. Why? Because the good news of the gospel is centered around the good life that you live. It's not awesome. Thomas Keating said this, inside the infinite love of God, there's a place for suffering. It's part of the game. Inside the infinite love of God. This is the verse that I think about every single day of my Christian life. It's in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. And it says this, if someone asks about your Christian hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do so in a kind and respectful way then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed because they, they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Here's the really, really good news. There are many aspects of all our lives and every single aspect of our life can be used to bring someone to Jesus. Whether it be in your Christian walk, in your spiritual life, it could be your family and relationships. People could see your family and go, oh my goodness, there's something different about you guys. How you work do people see you on your job and go, there's something different about you? Or do they go, man, there's something different about him that you don't show up? Or are they working for the Lord? Man, we give him the worst job, he gets disrespected by his superior, and look at how he works. There's gotta be something different about that dude. Or they see if you have a business, your business is a shining light. Something different about you. In your financial life, how you live, how your finances roll, and then personally, emotionally and physically, how well you take care of yourself and how, how well you're put together in your own heart and spirit. You see, the bottom line is we can work on all of these different aspects. We all have different strengths and they can be all lived in the good life to share the gospel. I did not become a Christian because of an evangelist. I was born in Dublin, Ireland. I was raised in the Catholic Church because everyone in Ireland is a Catholic. Any former Catholics here, current Catholics here? How's everybody doing? So nice to see you today. We do a little aerobics. You get to kneel down, you stand up, you watch the smoke machine, poo, watch who. So I didn't really know much about this contemporary Christian church thing. So I came to America. I had two goals. Get a suntan, meet suntan women. I'm still pale. I married an African-American lady. So God always changes your plans. You follow me? Who knew? So I didn't have any godly mission when I came to America. But I moved in, I rented a room from a guy. He had a house in Pacific Beach. He was 26 years old, he owned a house in Pacific Beach. He was a good looking dude. He had this beautiful uh, girlfriend who became his fiance and later his wife. But when I lived with him, I go, hey dude, any night you need me to clear out of here. He goes, oh no, my, 
my uh, girlfriend and I, we've made a commitment that we're going to be chased all the way till our wedding day. Okay? Something different about that guy? I'd get up, go work out 5.30 every morning. He'd be sitting in a corner, a little robe or a blankie over his shoulders, cup of coffee, reading the Bible. I'd come back an hour and a half later, he'd still be there. I saw how he lived. I saw how he worked. I saw how he treated me as a non-believer. And I'd come back from my workouts every day a little earlier. I'd make a cup of tea. He'd say, with a coffee, I'd just start asking questions. What are you reading? I'd never read the Bible. What are you reading? Well, what's that mean? What's this mean? Every day. Every day, I kept asking him about his, his Christian hope. And finally, he led me to the Lord right there and then. After months and months of living out the gospel every day. And my whole life changed. 1986, October 7th. So I'm like, everything is awesome. I'm on fire. Went down, I remember it was a Monday night service and I saw this skinny, good-looking former charger just breathing fire. I'm like, I'm going to do that in Ireland. I'm on fire. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm reading the Bible every day. I'm 23 days a Christian. (laughs) Bang. Riding a motorcycle down Mount Soledad. 45 miles an hour. Come around a bend in the road. Guy doesn't see me. Turns into me. Bang. Smash. Split the helmet in two. Over the top. Bike lands on me. The full Tiger Woods busted legs. I got gangrene. I'm 7,000 miles away from home. I have no money. I'm in the hospital. They're about to amputate my leg. Look at that baby. Look. Look at those sunglasses. Those glasses I could like weld with those things on. I'm 23 days a Christian. Now, do you think I thought, man, this is good. Very good, Lord. You know, I'm back in old Genesis 1. It's funny, I was reading Genesis 1. I was a brand new Christian. Starting off, very good, 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 good. This ain't good. Got a big owie on my leg. They want to give me to do one of those. But this was the first of many, many lessons I received from the Lord about a good life. So I was supposed to go home to Ireland November 7th. Didn't happen. Had to stay in America. Leg in a big, long cast after six weeks. They sent me home. Unbeknownst to me, Dan invites the Olympic team is having its Bible study at the house he owned. So here I am, sitting there, captive audience, nowhere to go, and in walks this lady. Now, I don't want anybody to stumble here. Hey. 37 years ago, Took me four years to get the deal done. (laughs) But God did something for my good that didn't feel so good. I met my bride, the love of my life. Been married for 33 years. Six kids, three grandkids. Here they are, the crew. If you'd have asked me in that hospital, did God have my best interests at heart? If I was truthful and honest, I'd say, I'm not sure. But after being at this for decades, I know now, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. How did I start my career? I'm broke, I have no money. I owe $250,000 in bills as a 19 year old, which would be, I don't know how many millions that would be today. So what do I do? 
Well, I, I signed up for real estate because I could get my license for $99 on an on a over-the-line course. And the, real, and the broker said they trained me for free. Both were in my price range at the time. <laughs> so I'm working hard. I get my little real estate license. I remember I go to TJ Maxx. I bought a white short sleeve shirt, black tie, black pants, black shoes. I'd go knocking on people's doors. They're hiding behind their couch. I don't know what's up. I'm like, they all thought I was a Mormon. I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know that's how Mormons dressed, but I was walking on around, okay? They're hiding behind the couch. So finally, I get someone who wants to buy a house from me. She wants to sell her house and buy. I don't have a car. Imagine a realtor without a car. So I go to one of the guys in the Bible study and I ask him, and I say, can I have a car? And I had a half cast on at that stage. He goes, I'm not letting someone with a half cast drive my car, but you can drive my son's car. He's into a band called the Grateful Dead and he has what's called a deadhead mobile. This is my first car on my first appointment as a real estate agent. Imagine that sucker just rolling up to come sell your house. Now this is the good side, this is the auto trader picture. The driver's side was caved in and it was held by a bungee cord to the passenger door. So what you had to do is leave the passenger door window open, unhook the bungee, get in, slide the door, hook, and then do the limbo to get over into the seat. <laughs> Didn't seem so good at the time. Felt like desperation. But Lord, I'm trying to serve you. Lord, I wanna serve you with my business. And the Lord said, I got you. It's all good. You just gotta trust me. So then he said, hey, do this. Focus on this not the business. And I ended up over time building my business around seven biblical principles. I actually taught them at a little Sunday school. And when I dedicated myself to those seven principles, my business went like this, hockey stick to the right. By the time I'm 26, I'm the top five realtor in the United States from starting there. And then people said, well, can you share what you do? And I said, well, it's built on these seven biblical principles. Well, because you're successful, we'll put up with it. We want the money, not the other stuff. So I started speaking, and I have an Irish, all the Irishmen can speak, tell stories, and I would share my experiences, and then how God had used me in my real estate business. And the next thing you know, this takes off into this whole business. And so for the last 27 years, that's what it looks like, traveling around the world, spoken to four million people, 37, 47 countries. God is amazing. God's amazing. My favorite thing about this church, apart from Miles and all the staff, is when you guys start off every service with, who's the man? Who is the man here? Jesus. <laughs> Brian's a dope. He'd still be painting houses in Ireland. But I dedicated myself to this. My, my life had changed, and I said, I'm gonna find out about this good life. I'm gonna do the good word, and I'm gonna live out the, the good news and the gospel. So we built a company to coach and train people all over the world. 250 folks right up in Carlsbad. And because we, we say, hey, we're not just gonna do good for our clients, we wanna do good for our staff and we wanna do good for everybody by what the scriptures say. Now there's non-Christians working for me. I have non-Christian clients. But we have the good word at the heart of everything we do. You know, the last seven years in a row, we've been the best place to work in San Diego. Not because of us. Because here's the thing, boys and girls, if we do this stuff, it turns out good. Now it doesn't mean bad things don't happen, it doesn't mean things don't go sideways, but the good news and the good word, you, you actually put this into your marriage? It's amazing. This woman stayed with me for 33 years. I mean, I am a good salesman, obviously, I'm trying to keep her with me. But it's here, oh Brian, how's your family so amazing? Here, 
They were all here at the first service before the hurricane hit. Because it's all here. But it doesn't mean that God stops moving and changing and using you. So we bought a house here in San Diego. It was a Georgia plantation style home. Why that happened, I don't know. It was just big enough to keep all the kids. So we had this big old house, nice house, right? And out the back we put a statue. My favorite character in the Bible is Job. You guys ever read the book of Job? And Job's a great example of the good life. He had all these bad things happen. His, his children died, his business blew up, he got sick, mortally sick, his wife left him, his best friends, you ever had best friends just give you terrible advice? Oh, there must be sin in your life, that's why this is happening. So we got Christian friends like that. And finally he goes to the Lord and says, I've had enough, all this bad stuff's happened, you promised me a good life, what should I do? And God does what he always does. In the beginning, God. He never answers Job's question. He takes him back to Genesis 1. And he goes, were you there when I put the, built the storehouses for the snow or put the lumps on the alligators back? He goes back to creation. And when Job meets God and he asks his question, he has his problems and God's still gracious. He goes like this. No more complaints. And if you see on that statue, it's Job with his hand over his mouth, the whirlwind and all the animals are there. He's standing on the world and there's a little Hebrew around the bottom. It says, I'm reduced to dust and ashes. I wanted to see that every day so I'd be reminded that no matter what happened in my life, God still had the good life planned for me. Well, God will test you on some of these things. So on October 30th, 2007, there were the witch fires. My family and I had been out of town for a few weeks. We're actually friends of Lou Holtz, so we were out watching Notre Dame beating, uh, getting beat by USC, 38 to nothing. We flew in, in the middle of the night, six sleepy kids. We get a buzz down at our gate. This is the fire department. You need to get out in 60 seconds. The fire's coming at 75 miles an hour. We need you out now. You ever move six sleepy kids at two in the morning? It's like sacks of potatoes. We get in the car, we drive out, boom. About an hour and a half later, we get this photograph from the fire department. Now, if there's any firemen here today, if I could just give one tip. If you could get on the hoses instead of the photographs, I'd really appreciate that next time. Just hit, try the hose. Just see, ever see Legoland? Put the wet stuff on the hot stuff. You remember that whole song they had? Just try that, great. Free advice to the fire department. Next day we show up, here's what it looks like. By the way, if anybody wants a good deal on a couple of Mercedes, I got a deal for you. Need a little paint work? It was gonzo. The New York uh, insurance man who came out to our house was from the same neighborhood as Miles. Talk like Miles, walk like Miles. He says to me, your, ha your house looks like it's been hit by a bomb. It looks like a bomb hit your house, a bomb. The sidewalks were 30 feet down. The pool exploded. Everything was gone except one thing was left in the backyard. I had someone accuse me sometime, did you do that just for a great sermon illustration? God spray canned the back of my house saying, I am here. 
I'm still with you. I know this doesn't feel good. My family and I moved six times in the next two years. Try moving with six kids under 10, six times, without the use of hard liquor. <laughs> God was with me, and he had a good life. And the best of things, you know what happened at the end of that time? Our family ended up living, instead of a 12,000 square foot house, they were sleeping on the, on the floor. Our house and our kids became closer than ever before. Our family became closer than ever before. Our family that had, had resources became completely unattached to resources. Completely unattached. Our kids today, we live a good life, they could care less. What house we have, what car we have, nothing. They've seen it all go to nothing. They're completely unattached to the things of this world and completely connected to one another and the Lord. If I knew now what I knew then, I'd have set fire to the place myself. Because God knows. God knows. God knows. So as I finish up here, I want to talk about the good life and the gospel. Your good life and your gospel to share. You see, back to 1 Peter, it says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, I just want to stop there. When was the last time someone asked? Same for me. Same for me. When was the last time someone asked? There's sometimes it's better than others. There's times when people could ask and there's times when people would not. When was the last time someone asked? By how we live. And they ask about your hope as a believer. We're living in a world that has no hope. We have hope. You guys came to church when the newspaper told you there was a hurricane. Yeah? What kind of crazy people are you? How awesome is that? I wouldn't care if there were six people here today. There'd be six awesome people. But do this in a kind and respectful way. Let's not get into foolish debates and arguments. You roll around in the mud with a pig. You both get dirty and the pig likes it. Kind and respectful way. Then if those people speak against you, they will be ashamed because they see what a... What's that? Two words. Good what a good life you live, because why? You belong to Christ. The only reason I have anything to share with you today is because 37 years ago, I gave my life to Christ. I have nothing else. Last week, I saw Miles do that. How many of you were at church last week? You see Miles talking about laying down those rewards? That was something I'll never forget. The only reason I have a great family and a great business and resources or whatever else is because I belong to Christ. And because of whatever measure I've applied myself, he's gone, I'll, I'll take care of you. So I have two groups of people here today. I have a bunch of folks who battle through Hurricane Haley to come to church who maybe were here for a good word and maybe, maybe this is just for you. How many of you in your heart of hearts know there's things you need to give over to God. Well, how many of you know that if you gave that over to God, God would replace it with something he's designed for you that was really good? There's more of the good life that he wants to give, that he's designed for you, that he's created for you. You're his child. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants nothing but the best for you. And it's more than you can hope or imagine. And I'm not talking about resources. I'm talking about peace and joy and kindness Love. 
And then he'll add the other things as well because he's who he is. But we gotta give something up. I had to give something up in that hospital bed. It was my own ego and what I was gonna do with the gospel. I had to give something up when I went to business and it was driving around in a beat up car. I had to give up this image or what will people think of me? That's really what I had to lose. What will people think of me? Because I was at the very bottom. When our house burned down, I had to give up standing and position and resources and things. And Lord replaced it with something, I promise you, 10 times more. For everyone here today that you want more of the good life, my hope and prayer for you is that you'll give up what you need to give and you'll trust the good God who has the good life for you. And that maybe today would be the start of a new day, entering into the good life. And it'll be a date you remember. And then there's some folks who are here today that they don't know if they belong to Christ or not. Because without that, you're not plugged into the electricity. God is still gracious, but the good life, both here and in the next, is for those who belong to him, who've given up their whole life and said, I'm, I'm yours. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I know that my thought life and my actions and what I do in my private life just doesn't measure up. I'm gonna give that to you. I believe that you are in the beginning God and that you came here to live a sinless life, die for me and rose again so that I would belong to you. And then ultimately I gotta confess it with my mouth. So I'm gonna pray for you guys here today if that's okay with you. And I'm gonna pray for those of you who want more of that good life, who, will, who want today to give something up. And then I'm gonna invite those that maybe don't know if they belong to Christ to make that decision today. And today, on Hurricane Haley Day, would be a memorable day for the rest of your life. So let's close our eyes together. Lord, I pray for everyone who's here, everyone watching on all the campuses and everybody watching online, that they know in their hearts, Lord, that you have designed a good life for them, and they just are holding back maybe some habits, part of their thought life, some things that they're afraid to give up, Lord. I pray, Lord, for everyone in this space today who wants more of what you have to offer, that they would give that up to you right now, and that, Lord, you'd come with your Holy Spirit and fill them up and lay out for them the good life that you have planned for them. And many years from now, Lord, they may have an opportunity to share their story of the good life that you've given them. If you're someone here today who wants to give up something to the Lord for that good life, just raise your hand and let me bless you. Bless you all. Praise God. And Lord, there's some today who don't know if they belong to you or not. Maybe they made a profession as a child or got baptized as a child or maybe they've just lost their way and they're not sure they belong to you anymore. But you're there ever faithful. You are in the beginning God. And you formed them in their mother's womb and you knew them in the deepest parts and you've laid out a plan for them, a plan to prosper, a plan to grow, to be fully in your image. So if that's you today and you want to know Jesus, I just want you to, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just pop your hand in the air and I want you to pray with me. Yeah, good for you. Pray this prayer in the quietness of your own heart. 
Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've messed up my life. I've tried to do it my own way, and I'm done with that. And today I give myself to you fully. I believe that you're the son of God, that you came here, lived a perfect life, and you desire for me a good life. And Lord, I wanna receive that good life. And I confess to you now, Lord, in my heart, that you are my God and I am your son, I am your daughter, and I will follow you for the rest of my days. With every eye closed and your heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer with me, just raise your hand. God bless you, I see you. God bless you, I see you all the way back there. God bless you, God bless you. Praise God for you. Praise God for this day. Come on back to me. I'm gonna leave you all with a little Irish blessing. My grandfather always would give us this blessing when we were kids. And it goes something like this. May the roads rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain, Hurricane Haley, fall soft upon your fields and that San Diego sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, I hope you know that the good God of the good life who brings the good news has us all in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. God bless you.